Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Kirk and I are going to dive into something today that's a very deep philosophical thing that him and I are challenged with on a regular basis, which is, is selling even necessary anymore? And now we, of course, have a very strong feeling at Proudmouth about this, but Kirk has done a bunch of research to set everything up today. Kirk, let, let's talk about what you found out uh, when you were Googling. It's interesting. Now, I did put in when I was searching that basically what was in the title to see what I, what I came up with. So I was more likely to come up with research that suggests that selling isn't necessary, but I did get both. And it's interesting that in every case, the person who had written the article was benefiting, whatever the outcome of the article was, was benefiting what they do. Right. So I'm just going to caution everybody, you know, that, that, but that's, that's often the way these things are. So you got to use your own judgment to figure out what works for you. And we're figuring out what works for us. Right. But very educational nonetheless. So Salesforce, Salesforce research, you can figure that one out are going to be um, obviously for automation versus salespeople. They have a, a, but the study had some great points in it. First one is that 80% of customers say the experience a company provides is as important as the product or service. And that's a, a massive statement for everybody to pay attention to. The experience the company provides just as important as the product or service. I think the financial service industry is learning this. They'll say they've always known about this, but the importance placed on it and then where the experience is happening, that's the real differentiator. That's what you got to figure out to pay attention to. It's not just when they walk into your office anymore, how, how you're, you're, you're set up, right? It's different things. And a lot of the experience happens online. For us, for Matt and I, this right here, you being here with your ear pods in or, or in your car, this is our experience helping you be better, right? It's, it's critical and crucial and we love doing it. And we love people who get us coming to us when they're ready to hang out and do stuff together. Okay. 70% of customers say connected processes are very important to winning their business. I was, we were going to do another podcast today, but we pushed it off. And one of the first things I talk about in there is synergy, how important synergy is. Synergy is really about having connected things that all, when they're t- when two things are connected, one plus one equals three or one plus one equals five in some cases. And it's finding those wonderfully connected things. And, you know, we're, the Salesforce research here is suggesting that 70% of customers say how important this is. And it is. So we're paying a lot of attention to how we connect things because we know how important it is, not because of the Salesforce research, but because it just makes sense. We want the buying experience to be a seamless, not just a buying experience, but the educational experience, any point of contact with us to be as simple 
and rewarding as possible, which usually means you have to give generously to that process. The next fact, 56% of customers actively seek to buy from the most innovative companies. That's not shocking. It's not shocking, but in an antiquated industry that we're in, it's just phenomenal that we would get so much resistance to this, which, which you and I have gotten resistance to this when we talk about kind of old thinking. My wife talks about wealth simple all the time. She's just so in love with the simplicity and the connection that she has with people that make her life easier. 86% of customers are more likely to trust companies with their relevant information if they explain how it provides a better experience. Do you know how, are you doing this? Do you know how to do this? That's a big deal. How do you create trust? And one way to create trust is by providing as relevant information as possible. It means you get them. Trust is about basically listening. And we've heard that for centuries. Well, and it's probably the most powerful sales tool, selling tool that I think anybody doesn't pay attention or that everybody doesn't pay attention to. Shutting up and listening, if you do that successfully, what ends up happening is what happens to us all the time, which is people end up selling themselves because they're, they're, you're experiencing their thought processes as they're processing the information through being quiet and listening which then your next stat here, which I'm going to just jump on, which is a staggering 95% of customers say trusting a company increases their loyalty. What are you doing as a financial services professional to build more trust? And it's not annual reviews. It's not weekly market commentaries. What are you doing that's proactively building the trust that you need to build with your clients? Kirk, I'm, we digress for a moment here. What are some of the things, or are we going to get to this? Are we going to get to how people can increase their trust in this podcast, or am I jumping ahead to another one? Did I just come up with another podcast? <laughs> no, we, we talk about trust all the time. 76% of customers say it's easier than ever to take their business elsewhere. And that is a painful truth in this industry because I think that we, that in financial services that you expect that somebody's going to stick around for a long time once you do the hard work. And, and the other really interesting thing about having clients and business develop is that we've all heard it's easier to keep a client, way less expensive and easier to keep a client than it is to go find a new one. So there should be a lot of importance placed on that. Which, which brings about the question of, of trust and sales to a whole other level. How do you keep somebody? Is it by continuously pulling them out of the fire? Like when they're about to leave, you know, you get one foot out the door and you're just grabbing them back in because you're, you, and, and you're doing that with sales, sales concepts? Or is it just blowing them away with the other things that they want? I think it's a, I think that's a great question. And I think it's troubling because most people don't know that they've got uh, one of their clients with one foot out the door. And the reason is because they're talking at them. They're not talking with them, but let's now break down the for and against. Now I want everybody to understand that Kirk and I might do devil's advocate on each other on this, because as a person who has studied the psychology of sales for at least the last 12 years, I might come up with some fun things against why selling isn't necessary anymore. We're, but we're also going to talk about why some selling is necessary. And I also want everybody to understand very, very clearly that it we are probably going to have to here in the very near future, redefine the word sales. 
because sales has a very negative connotation to it. It sometimes feels yucky. It feels pushy. It feels like you're trying to get somebody to do something they might not do. And that's the antithesis of the world that we live in. The world we live in now is an opt-in sort of sales. It's an opt-in sort of marketing. And we're really starting to see that more and more. Now, are there some great sales techniques that you can use in your opt-in process? Yes. But I think maybe, Kirk, maybe it's the closing component that we're at even more against than, oh, you just grimaced. All right. What do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry. I thought you said, I thought you were going to say the closing is the one place you do sell. And I think that's actually not true. I'm thinking that I, I would love to abolish closing as a, what do I need to do to get you in this car today? That's yeah. where I think sales gets yucky. Now there's some yucky parts at the beginning and let's talk about that. Cause you've got some really good arguments for, I'm going to give you four. I'm going to go against four that. Okay. So Kirk is going to argue that selling is not necessary anymore. Go. Well, <laughs> the buying experience, everything that you do to get to the place where you want to close or the idea of closing or the happens while you're not there most of the time that, and that experience not only replaces the sale or the need to sell, it actually becomes part of your service, the experience, right? Cause we, we talked earlier about how important the experience is not just the product and service. Was it easy, convenient, friendly, trustworthy, efficient, effective, fun, whatever it is that they're looking for in that experience. And depending on your product or service, that may change what what people are looking for. But I think that's huge. The opposite, I guess, that is feeling like you get to put a, throw a couple features out there. They contact you to learn more and you immediately get a chance to sell. We know now that that, that whole dynamic, the consumer sales cycle, I guess, is way different and most everything happens while you're not around. Right. They they hate that actually. Yeah. They 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 hate it when you uh, go in to try to close them right when they've provided you with a little bit of value and that is actually a sales philosophy. It's the principle of reciprocity. So I I'm, I'm probably going to jump ahead a little bit so you have to bear with me here Kirk. But that whole buying experience, the education that that we know is what really works today, a lot of people who are in the old school sales thought processes. Well, I gave you something. So now you got to give me something. That's the time to, to go ahead and pounce on it. And just so everybody knows, man, people hate that crap. I mean, it's, 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 you're damaging a, a potentially long-term relationship because you're being impatient. It reminds me of calls I've had. I haven't had any of these in the last two years, I'd say, but when we started the podcasting service four years ago, I would get people who would call and say, podcasting, sell me on it. Tell me what you do. Sell me on why I need to be, we need to be doing this together. And honestly, that was an excruciating, I like talking about what we do, but I like talking about it like this. I like talking about it for you to take the time to figure out if you believe in what we're talking about, if you understand the, the value of a podcast and what it can mean in your business. And if you want to do it for the right reasons versus just one reason that is short-term in, in, in mindset, that's, that's comfortable to me. That's a great waste, a great waste, a great use of, of our time is to scale our message and our credibility, right? Which is what we want to do for all of you when you're, when you're ready 
or, or what podcasting can do for you when you're ready is that that idea that we don't have to push somebody over the finish line all the time. I think what sales is evolving into or has evolved into is just whether or not people want to accept it or not is it's really just putting the, it's more informational fact oriented. People are more likely to call us now and say, Hey, I love podcasting. I'm ready to do it. This is what I need in my business. Tell me how it works. How do we, what's the process like? What, how much money do I need to give you guys? When can we get started? So we have to be able to fill in everything else along the way and through, through how we communicate. And that's a big deal. Just think about how you change your business to accommodate that. It's not easy to do. It's a very difficult thing to do if you're not in control of your content too, because nobody else built their content to sell you right? You got to build your own content to sell yourself. Now I'm saying sell yourself. It sounds like I'm saying sales is back in, but. Yeah. If we were in debate class, I'd be eating alive right now from where you went, <laughs> but I do think that what you're saying is great. And, and so here's the thing, what happened previously before we really started really giving away a substantial amount of even more information than we, we ever did before but if you're using somebody else's content, people are going to come in being sold on something you might not do. You might not believe it might not be your words. And so when people come in, you have to use those sales techniques because uh, that's not because this happens all the time. That's not really what I said. What I meant was ah, now we're getting that yucky sales stuff again. And I think that's really, really frustrating. But when it comes to the communication that Kirk and I are talking about, especially when it's so easy for people to, to move their, their accounts in other places, how are you continuously building trust? How you build trust in our opinion is by having people hear from you, your voice, your ideas to reinforce the philosophies that you already sold them. I'm air quoting on or had them join your uh, financial services family. How how are you doing that? And you you can't put a price on that because a lot of you, as Kirk said earlier, you're grabbing those people back uh, after they got one foot out the door. Uh, make it so they don't have their feet out the door. Cost for client retention is something nobody calculates in the marketing world. How much does it cost to retain a client? Is it one annual review, a couple of, you know, get client gifts, a birthday call? No, that, that doesn't cut it anymore. Because by the way, robots can do most of that. What what is going to separate you? And I, I, I don't I, I, I think that most of it has to do with communication. Kirk, what do you think? I, I think when we're talking about moving beyond the idea of needing somebody to sell or, or you needing to be able to sell, we think about what are the things that you can do to preemptively educate people about what it is you do and the communication of the small things matters. You need to be able to distill all the, the small things and the big things that make up what you do and what you know and how you solve things for people and that you actually get them and care. All the, commun the communication, all those small things end up being replacing sales because you don't need to be there. And people expect that they can get that from without, without having to talk to you. And I think people are pretty, have these uh, walls or guards up against feeling like they're being sold to because they want to make decisions because it's the right thing to do, not because you were able to convince them. I think we know that 
as human beings more than ever before, which makes sense as we evolve or, or, or hope, hope to evolve. That, that's a really big thing is how do you communicate the small things and have them be educational, answer the, the, the right questions and show that you understand people. So you got to pay attention to that. And I think that's something that never got talked about when we were a, a, more of a pure sales culture or in industries that were pure sales, right? Mm-hmm. So the next, the next point about selling is that consumers expect you to add a lot of value beyond your main service. If you're just selling, you're usually selling your service. But if you, before you have to sell, how do you get people to understand that there's so much more than the, than the obvious? So there's an opportunity for us, for instance, we have a podcasting service, but we've also created an academy where people can come learn how to start their own. Like it's not just work with us or don't work with us. It's work with us when you're ready, if we're right for you. But if you're not ready or is not right, and you need to get up to that place, maybe we can help you here too. Yeah. We can help you on a, I want to just check you out for free, but really where most of the value and what we do, if we're not working with, but we're educating you in our, I'm talking about our academy here is actually in the, the mid-level membership where we, we, we have like almost all of our value uh, as far as content is in there. So what we're, we're doing is we're trying to add value beyond the obvious, which, which is a done for you podcasting and promotion service to other things. And I think everybody needs to understand that that is selling too. It's, it's going beyond just doing what you do, but helping build them into advocates for your business or people who weren't ideal to work with you. You can turn them into that, right? You can, you can build them up and be the person that was there and help them build up. So that's a big part of replacing the salesperson too is, you know, because we can't manage all those relationships. We've got to automate it and figure it out. How do we do that without you there? Well, so go to that. Uh, I want to talk about technology. And I also want to talk about, about the idea that we don't actually sell products. We actually sell experiences or feelings in financial services. So go ahead and take that. The next one is I've already kind of segued into, which and you did too, which is that technology can accelerate. And to, and to an extent, a large extent, replace sales because we can create this experience. So you and I can talk about the power of podcasting. We can talk about gaps in your business, connecting with people, having, you know, being able to communicate the small things, not just the big things. Go beyond an experience where it's where they understand that it's more, you do more than just what the obvious states. You know, if you're a financial advisor or you're, or you're a portfolio manager, whatever it is, if you can go beyond that to create a better user experience and they understand they're getting more out of it and technology can help you get there, that's huge. Because, and this is all this is the idea of this. If you want to take a different frame or look at through a different lens or frame is that if we can, if in your business, you can hand off sales and you can automate it and scale that, just think how incredible that is in your business. I mean, that that's business changing stuff. That's life changing stuff, brother. If you can figure this stuff out. Yeah. If you can leverage technology to accelerate or replace sales, and you can just show up and 
or maybe not even you, but somebody in your office or your team can fill in the few final gaps to move forward. That's a big deal. The, the, the interesting thing that is if, if people don't necessarily need to talk to you or I to make a decision to work with our company, because we kind of laid everything out all the time, how, how much we work to, pro, to try to educate you and provide the information that we do is actually how we run our business too. We're always trying to get better. I think that becomes kind of obvious. So we create this experience when we communicate with people that proves everything we talk about because we're doing it all the time. We produce about six podcast episodes a month. We have two different podcasts that we're running for different audiences and we're pretty consistent with that. And we bring guests on who, who also in some cases uh, compete with us, but they offer a different perspective and we value that. So people know that we care just as much. We care mostly about educating them than we do trying to get them to call us so we can sell them. That makes sense. And, and since I'm primarily doing a lot of the sales now, the, the, the questions, the only questions I get are logistics, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get any other, I don't get the, Hey, tell me why I should podcast. No, we've given enough information out there through technology, through scaling credibility, through our content multiplication to make it so that people totally understand who we are and what we do. I think that there are a couple of other pieces. And I think Kirk, honestly, that people just want to make sure that there's a human on the other end uh, that they know that they've got a point of contact with because people feel that they have emotional investment into great content, right? I think that that's where sales has fundamentally changed because if you can get people to buy into your philosophy, there's feelings involved with that. It's not a logical sale. They're not buying a widget from you. They're mm -hmm. truly buying that experience. And that's one of the points that you have here. I, I think that, yeah, people buy feelings. Like, I don't think you need to be the most brilliant person. Who was I listening to the other day? I don't know, but dude, thank God for that. Because if they were looking for a brilliant person, they're not going to call me. <laughs> and they were saying, you know, that one of the things about getting started in trying to be an expert and showcasing that either through a podcast or video, or whatever, that everybody thinks that they got to be like the expert, smarter than everybody else. And the truth is, if you, you niche, and you take a couple of experts. I think it was uh, actually Josh uh, Steinmel. And I was listening to his podcast, actually. And he was talking about he didn't have to be the most brilliant at X. But when he combined X and A and, and G, and he had knowledge set across three things that was highly unlikely anybody else did, now he just had to be one of ten. Yep. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to dial that back for everybody or give some specificity to it. What I'm basically saying is that the more you niche, the more of an expert you can be seen as, but you don't have to, there's two angles here. One is you don't have to be the most brilliant. You just have to have value in the things that you know that somebody else might not because of your life experiences. And the second one is people don't need to always know that you're the most brilliant, they need to know that you care the most. And so if you can show how much you care, and just be likable and approachable, and they know 
that can have a huge impact on their purchasing decision because being likable is a really good thing. We have people that start podcasts who I think they're, they're, you don't have to be brilliant to do it. <laughs> One perfect example, stumbling through this. You have to show how much you care and you have to know, you have to know enough about a subject and your and how it applies to your specific or niche audience enough that they realize there's not a lot of people that can pull these two or three things together. Right. So therefore you stand out more. So yeah. figure out how you, what that is for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do good? What do you know? I remember we worked with a client in, in Kansas city. He had a special needs kid and he had an affinity for helping those families. It wasn't a main part of his practice, but the more it became, the more obvious of a solution he became for those families because he had lived it with his own, within his own family. He could, he, he just understood these people so much. And it was really difficult for other people to understand what they were going through. And he could, and he said those were incredibly fulfilling, but they were no brainers to, for him to attract. Yeah. And so you're always thinking about how do you take different experiences and knowledge sets that you kind of whittle down your competition, right? Into a place where it's like you really do stand out. So think about how you create positioning for your business based on that, if that makes sense. One of the other things that Josh said in his podcast, which by the way, he's actually going to be on our on our Be Your Own Loud podcast here in the very, very near future is that you just have to be, it's it's like outrunning a bear. You just have to be faster than the other guy. And I love that, right? I love oh that analogy gosh. that you just, you have to be just that much better. And whether that's that you're just a little bit more open, you're a little bit more accessible, you're communicating a little bit more, just those little things cumulatively add up to that, you know, the person eating your competition as, as a bear chasing you in woods, which by the way, is is probably one of the most Canadian things I've ever said. And it might have should have been moose, but I don't really know how many moose attacks you guys get where you live. But anyway, here's the question. I want I want to rewind. Here. No moose in, in the city of Toronto. <laughs> All right. That's good to know. Yeah. Now, now you have a Neil Patel comment that you want to make. And then I think we need to jump into some of the things that I'm going to take over, which is why sales are still important. And then we're going to we're going to refute some of those and some of those we are actually not going to be able to refute. So, so let's talk about what you found with Neil. Yeah. So Neil had a, an article about this and I want to take a couple of points away. The first one is that he said, don't try to control outcomes that aren't up to you. Neil Patel, by the way, is a very um, successful marketer, digital marketer and yeah, business owner. Like for instance, don't try to out- control the outcome of the stock market, which is something entirely outside of your control. Continue. Yeah. And, and, and the buying decisions that people have aren't, aren't up to you either. Let them figure it out on their own terms. Like give them enough information to make up their own mind and be there when you can saying the right things and the things that are important to you and let them figure it out. And don't assume that you know what your customer is thinking. That allows you to really understand that listening allows you to really understand what they actually care about. And that's a big deal. Because if you listen and you're open-minded about that, can really evolve and help you get a lot closer to what they actually care about from you. And the next one is to take a long view. I talk about this a lot. It's a really difficult thing for business owners to, to do. 
is such a seems like such a leap of faith, even though you hear it all the time. Because we're as humans, we instant gratification is really what we look for. But I hear so many success stories that are based on the long taking the long view. It changes how you market. It changes who you are as a business. It changes. It, it makes you put stuff that are like wonderful long-term business qualities and you focus on them and put them into place. It helps you focus on building a real business instead of just living on this roller coaster that is more like, you know, owning a job, not owning a company kind of thing. As I quote the E-Myth, Michael Gerber. Oh, yeah, Gerber, yeah. So here's a quote from Neil and I really like this quote. The process of in-person selling can be automated provided you have the right understanding of your customer and enough time to say everything you need to without putting the pressure on. And on the internet, you have all the time in the world. There really is no excuse for rushing the sales process. This is because there is a technology that everyone uses, which is so perfect for selling over the long term that you might suspect it was invented purely for that purpose. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? (laughs) He's got a huge smile on my face, uh, which of course nobody can see. Uh, And I absolutely love that. One of the things that we have talked about Kirk for so long is you should have your marketing do the marketing while you're sleeping. You just need to be omnipresent and ever present and be out there. Now I am going to take issue with this. So, so get, get your boxing gloves on. Cause this is going to tee us into some of the key points of why we still have to sell. But there are a lot of people out there right now who are totally, absolutely disagreeing with what we're saying. And I can feel their ears burning and their brains chugging along because what they're going to say, Kirk, is this, if I don't sell them, somebody else will. And you know what? You're probably right. But they're selling using what we're talking about, right? They're selling, utilizing all of this content and all of this other stuff. Now there's always going to be somebody, and I'm going to use a personal example of a client I used to have. So a client I used to have was a financial planner and they had a proposal out for this rather large client and an annuity person, and I'm air quoting annuity person because I really don't know if it was entirely, sold this person and, and stole them out for under but, but what they don't understand is they don't understand how quickly that person was able to build trust. They don't understand if they were actually solving the problem that the client had. And maybe they were the ones who shut up and listened and actually paid attention to what the client wanted. Let them steal them. That's what yeah. I said. Well, there you go. Yeah. So 76% of customers say it's easier than ever to take their business elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Stop worrying about outselling somebody in the short term. Think about outselling them in the out, out term. lasting them in yeah. the long term, yeah. out attracting them in the long term, out fulfilling experiences in the long term. Mm-hmm. You'll win every day, every day of the week mm-hmm. because everything you do is about building value and about earning it. And people who are trying to sell are on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And you know what that's like because they focus on selling and the importance of selling and not keeping and not doing it for the right reasons. And those, as the, as the consumer evolves, they're becoming less and less relevant and therefore they have to try even harder. They're going back to sales coaches even more and more and try to figure out what they're doing wrong, which is keeping those institutions in business because they're getting more from less people who haven't 
evolved in how they, their mindset, how they approach their business, how they approach marketing. So I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to come across as being rude, but I, at this point, I really don't care, which is this. Some people say, well, Matt, I need a client today. I need to put food on my table. I would have, okay, that is your problem. That's not somebody else's problem. You forcing your issues of having to close business on whoever's sitting in front of you is, is actually a horrible position that you're putting them in and that you're putting yourself in, which is why I think so many people want to get away from selling. It's because they remember what it's like when they were hungry and they had that that they had that scarcity mindset instead of an abundance mindset, and they were trying to do something that needed to happen today because they had a sales manager or whatever above them. But with that, Kirk, I, we we do we're a, we're coming up on time. Listen, what, what's more what's more important than having one customer tomorrow is a hundred in ten in ten years. Yeah. That's way more important and, and not having to replace those because that one person, we know how easy it is for them to find somebody else yeah. who's doing what you aren't doing or you chose not to do. But if you get a client for all the right reasons, way easier to keep them. We know that with even with, with our business, yeah. there on occasion, people come in and we're told they need to use us and they hadn't listened and experienced us. And we know that when these come in now, that we, we actually try to almost dial them back a bit because we know they're not going to be as long-term clients as the people came here for the right reasons. That's right. It's a, it's a stupid business model. It's just the, it's the reality. Unless you make all the money up front and you don't care if you keep them. Well, which there's, we know in this business, yeah, there's lots of that. There are people that sell products that can get away with that more, but it is, it's a lot of pressure. I just, it's, it's, I know that it's a ride and you and I, when we first met, you know, talked about sometimes how it's fun to be on that ride and the challenge of getting big clients and selling and stuff is, is somewhat, it's, it's fun, but it's also the, where we've evolved is it's just not the right mindset. Okay. Kirk, hold here's on. a quote that I hate. What? Here's what? a quote that I absolutely hate, but, I, but I love it for the point it makes, but the mindset of making this quote frustrated me. Okay. Here it is. In today's technologically advanced, hyper-competitive marketplace, highly skilled salespeople are essential. Yet technology is also something that a salesperson cannot ignore. Cannot ignore? The language in here drives me back. This is holding you back. If you've come from a sales culture and you hear a sales institution say, well, just don't ignore technology, you are going to lose you are absolutely going to lose. Mm-hmm. And this, when I heard, when I read this, I was, I was, you know, the, the article was quite slanted, which is fine. But when they got here and chose to say this backhanded, just don't ignore it is ridiculous. Well, the other thing that, that in this, that it says is the reality that the information alone will rarely persuade a person to act. No, the reality is, is that is what's persuading people to act. It's all of the information that you have out there cumulatively, which is, again, the opt in sort of situation that makes your life better, that makes happier clients, happier team members when people are they know that the people who are coming in are there for the right reasons, who are using you for your area of expertise and are probably going to stay for a lot longer rather than you having to do what Kirk talked about at the beginning of the podcast, which is you got a person who's got one foot out the door and you have to resell them, resell them, resell them. At some point, that's not going to work anymore. 
it's just going to be very frustrating, a frustrating existence for you. Now, Kirk, we got, we so got to we had to go back. Just wait a second. The reality, that quote you just said is, is beautiful. The reality is, I'm going to repeat it. The reality is that information alone will rarely persuade a person to act. There's some truth to that. That's why we have call. That's why we have tiered call to actions. Yeah. That's why when you're in a podcast, you can say, Hey, look, you know, if you, if you need to, Hey, you have a webinar or Hey, you know, you can go to our, our academy and sign up for the the $99 a month membership because there's a ton of expertise. We teach you how to start a podcast and all the intricacies of it. Mm-hmm. It's like a ton of stuff that we give away in there. It's worth way more than $99 a month, right? Well, if you coaching if alone you, is worth more than $99. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a couple of courses that are, yeah, are alone are worth that. And, there, and there's more, way more of those. The idea here is that you just heard us give a call to action that has a lot of value for somebody who's at the point where they say, I'm ready to start learning more about this. I, I, I need to take control. I don't know that I'm ready for actually throwing a bunch of money at somebody to run it for me. I, I need to start experiencing this. We can use that content teaching, right? You, you can go and learn how to do this on your own. And if there's some frustration, some obstacles and some things you decide you don't want to do, then that gives that now you have, you've experienced the pain to take another level. And guess who was there to coach you through all that stuff. You can absolutely persuade somebody to do that by just being there and helping them along the journey. And every time there's an obstacle, you find a way to get them unstuck. That is, that is better than sales because they're experiencing it in real time on their terms and not you in a half hour, an hour, having to figure out how to get them through all that pain and experience. Right. It's way better way to sell way better. So this point is really ridiculous yeah. and completely you know, inaccurate. I can't, I want everybody as we wrap up today's podcast, I want, I want you guys to think about who your best and favorite clients are. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a financial advisor here in, in, in town where I live and some of his favorite clients are the ones who weren't the account minimum clients. Uh, they were clients that he helped along the way. And then all of a sudden, because of his relationship, one, they refer more people than anybody. And two, you know, that real value of the client goes up exponentially. But then when they do have money, they're not going to go anywhere else. It's not going to be that 70 whatever percent of people whom it's super easy to leave because you have put in the time building those relationships. Everybody Financial services, regardless of whatever you products and services that you offer, should be is a relationship business. And until we make that consciousness shift that this is a relationship expertise driven business, our industry is going to be continuously looked at as a bunch of shills and as a bunch of salespeople. We have the power to change this by turning everything on its head going to pure education and content and providing people with the information they need to make better financial decisions. The more you have to do, what do I have to do to get you in this car today? Sort of sales crap. You're damaging our entire profession. Kirk, closing idea. If you want to figure out, if you're ready to dip your toe in the water to figuring out how you might start a podcast, how you might overcome it. If you're, if you're trying to figure out if it's right for you, all that stuff, keep listening to our podcast, please. If you're figuring that you want to take the next step, dip your toe in the water, understand, you know, what, what kind of equipment, uh, what, what does it entail? You know, what are the, what's the etiquette around a podcast? How good do I have to be all that kind of stuff? 
go in, go to proudmouth.com forward slash Academy and purchase our $99 a month package. There are, there's all kinds of courses in there. We're about to add even more. We've got some other experts coming in to, to provide us content. It's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And that is the best place to hang out. If you're not ready for that, we hope that you keep listening because we're going to keep bringing it as best we can every, every couple of weeks. Yep. And man, we really appreciate you guys listening. We, and we love the feedback. Uh, it really empowers us. We appreciate that inspires us too. So thanks so much for being a listener. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We're all done. All right. We'll see you on the other side of the mic, everybody very soon. Thanks for listening to the top advisor marketing podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.